Oh. <laughs> I know how the internet works. Internet boyfriends. Okay. I, sorry, I just assume you take this way more seriously than obviously we do, so. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another Internet Boyfriends. Uh, I am Joey, and with me, as always, is the Bunsen to my beaker, Ryan. I don't know if I like having this in the notes, so I see what it is in advance. I'm sorry. I just, I this is like I said, it was, it was like, what, 2 o'clock in the morning last night I emailed you? Like... <laughs> freaking out i was like shit i didn't do my notes like i get this done i gotta get this done and then because and, then I, I figured if i had the advanced time to do the notes i might as well write those in there yeah but that, in the future, totally I'll makes delete, sense yeah you know in the future i'll delete them so that you won't you won't see them <laughs> if there are any future like paul walker-esque ones that you can at least <laughs> you you you're like the you're like the uh the the audience surrogate of when i say it and then if i know that you're shocked or happy then, then I did a good one. Uh, this one was all right. Bunch of right, yeah. No, everyone loves Bunch and a Beaker. Because I think I already did Kermit's my Miss Piggy. I don't so. know if I'm that hard on you, even subconsciously, as Bunsen is to Beaker. I don't know. No, no, I don't think you are. No, I, I just I'm just neurotic. I figured of the two, I'm I'm the more Beaker. Probably, yeah. Two. Yeah, my hair is way more messy than yours usually. I don't have more any likely hair to explode. Was it more likely to explode? Yeah, yeah, oh, definitely way more likely to explode. Uh, well, if it isn't obvious to anyone listening to this, we're going to talk about the Muppets this week because we actually uh, are going to talk about uh, Jim Henson yep. for episode thirty-seven, Lucky Jim. Uh, because uh, forever ago, we both read. Uh, this is what I I read it in December. You read it in June of last year, maybe later than that. But yeah, in the summer for sure. Whenever yeah, I went to Mexico. Summer. Yeah, yeah. We we what both read uh, Jim Henson, the biography by Brian J. Jones, and we both loved it. So we said, hey, well, let's do Internet Boyfriends about this. And I haven't had time to do Internet Boyfriends, or I have had time, or you, we, I had time. It just hasn't and, happened. Yeah, it hasn't happened, yeah. Uh, and also, be, I got a copy of uh, Imagination Illustrated by um, Karen Falk. She compiled... Uh, Jim Henson's journal with a bunch of his notes and, and everything, pictures and whatever else. Uh, and if you if you if you plan on reading uh, Jim Henson the biography, I highly recommend going and finding a copy. Maybe not. I, I wouldn't say you necessarily have to own it, but definitely page through a copy of Imagination Illustrated because it's really cool to see. And especially the um, uh, I don't know if you remember, but they were talking about the the Vegas show that he did with the big. Muppets yep. that are like twice, three times the size of a human being. Like they're massive, huge Muppets. Seeing those was amazing. It was fucking great. It's like it's just it's a still picture of it. And then I, I, of course, didn't even realize I could go on YouTube and probably watch a couple <laughs> clip of it or whatever. But yeah, that's another thing too. Like YouTube, YouTube is your friend uh, whenever you're reading Jim Henson the biography by Brian that, that, that's, that's difficult when you're on a beach in Mexico. But on yeah. the other hand, you're on a beach in Mexico. Yeah, yeah, you gotta. <laughs> I can't really complain. Uh, I guess go chronologically, or I'd sort of yeah. talk about Jim Henson, the man. Because I mean, we both love the biography, so I yes. don't think we really need to gush for a half an hour about how great the biography is because it's good. That's it. Period. There's no, there's not much more to say about that. But well, I guess we can talk about us. I mean, wh- how did you get into the Muppets? I, I feel like they've always been there. You know, like yeah. I grew up with Sesame Street and Fraggle Rock and the Muppet Show, and also was on TV all the time. So I was just sort of like the Muppets have always been there. I remember I remember being in the car on Victoria Street and Lachine in front of my elementary school when I heard that he died. <laughs> like 
it's for me, Jim Henson, the news of Jim Henson dying is the same as where I was when Lady Di died, or the uh, Plants at the Towers. It was that, like, etched into my brain. It's like how our parents would be like, where were you when JFK died? Like, that's how etched into my brain that is. Yeah, because you you were old enough to, I mean, you're two years older than me? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, you were just, you were just old enough to be kind of sort of cognizant of that. I, I, I really don't remember any of my childhood, but I, I would imagine I, that would have left a huge impact. That that would have been a, a big thing for me too. Because yeah, I was like Fraggle, I was only nine. Rock, yeah, we always had HBO growing up, so like Fraggle Rock was a big thing. Muppet Babies was huge. Love I Muppet Babies. Love Muppet Babies for whatever reason. That was something that I really clinged on to. Uh, and yeah, and Sesame Street, obviously Sesame Street. I think is probably how most of our generation got into the Muppets. I, I can't imagine that most of them were like. Like, no, 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 I, you know, <laughs> it wasn't until my 20s when I saw The Muppet Show that I was like, oh, yes, you know, like, no, fucking, you can't deny that Sesame Street is probably the most important thing to happen to you as a kid when, pretty you're, much, when you're that yeah, young. Yeah, much. yeah, yeah, so we we both, you got into it when you were extremely young, uh, I got into it when I was extremely young, because especially, uh, I, I think both of us to a certain extent were... I don't want to say you were raised by TV. I watched I a lot of TV. TV. Yeah. I watched a lot of TV. Like my parents were good, attentive parents, but yeah, they also had to work, and like I had a babysitter like until they got home from work. So I was often, if I wasn't doing homework, I was watching TV. Yeah, and and I bet you could find, based on when we grew up, I bet you could find something that Jim Henson touched. Yeah, either Sesame Street in the morning before school over a bowl of cereal or something, or. <laughs> Sesame Street at night, or Muppet Babies on Saturday mornings, or Muppet Show on repeats because at that point it was in repeats, and like so yeah, it was it was always something on somewhere. Fraggle Rock on often, often also. I I even vaguely remember getting the records. The the I don't know if I had any from, records. Uh, well, they came with the a kids meal, I believe. Okay. At McDonald's, and it was the what thirty threes, I think they are. Fuck, this is the this singles is way ones, my... like the the size of a single. Yes, yeah, singles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is way out of my. I don't yeah. want to give anybody the impression of like that. I'm old. I'm 29. I'm not really that old to. I'm not old enough of like oh records. Like I'm not that guy. No, but you, like, there was the cusp of records to tapes at a certain point. There was some overlap. Yeah, when I was, I would say probably until I was maybe six or seven, I was still really listening to records or I had records or there were records around. Uh, I remember. The first, of uh, course, has nothing to Jim Henson. Complete side note: uh, like one of the first uh, cassette tapes I had was like from like a like a Sunoco or something like from a gas station, and it was like the best of like the like the '60s or something or whatever, or, or even not even that. I think it was like this the best of like rock and roll from like the '50s to the '60s, and I remember that was probably the reason I. I had attached so uh, closely to Back to the Future okay. was because Johnny B. Good was like the main track on that, that that cassette tape. I was like, Johnny B. Good, this is fucking, this is this is the greatest rock. This tape says this is one of the greatest rock and roll songs of all time. Therefore, it is. <laughs> Therefore, as a kid, I love this. It's in that other movie. So fucking Doc and Marty, and then eventually Rick and Morty. So yeah, <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, anyway, so, uh, yeah, we, we both got into the Muppets as a young age, as uh, pretty much anyone listening to this, I would imagine, uh, anyone who's in the Western Hemisphere, I would imagine it has had their life shaped by Jim Henson in some way. Yeah. If, you're, if you're under the age of 50, probably, I think it's fair to say that, that you have a pretty uh, interesting relationship with Jim Henson. Um, and he had a pretty interesting relationship with the world uh, as a kid. <laughs> Uh, yeah, as a kid, uh, his parents were uh, Christian scientists. He was raised as a Christian scientist. 
which is the type of the brand type of Christian that believes you can heal yourself with the power of prayer. I, I know, I know. Normally, <laughs> we'd spend an entire episode making fun of Christian scientists. It's, uh, it's something I just wanted to toss out there is uh, something that kind of contributed to who he was for from the book uh brian j jones says that uh, jim was more spiritual than religious he always uh, remained very respectful of religion his dad uh or or, sorry henson himself would never be snippy about anybody else's beliefs he was more of an optimist spiritual optimist than than anything else and i know a lot of people had said that being a christian scientist or being raised a christian scientist was the reason he eventually died was because he he got sick and he was oh i don't want to go to the hospital or whatever but it was more he yeah. was an austere man it was it's more of that like I, nowadays we he doesn't want to make a fuss he was like yeah I'll, I'll be fine i just feel a little under the weather yeah nowadays we tend to attribute that or we tend to think of that as like that british like stiff upper so, lip yeah, type thing yeah but it, kind of thing. yeah yeah so yeah but it, it's still very much i mean i'm i'm that way oh absolutely you know? <laughs> yeah <laughs> And also Jim Henson's dad, which I never really thought about. You know, it's like you don't really think about where God yeah. came from. <laughs> sort of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in the same way you don't really think where Jim Henson came from. And he talked about there was a bit about his dad, about his how his dad would never allow conversations to get uh, unpleasant or disagreeable. Right. Jim quickly adapted to that. He he wanted everything to be funny or entertaining or or to to you know make things more positive. Uh, no more uh, moping around or having these depressive conversations or having this glum mood, as yeah. as he said. Wanted everything to be to positive and optimistic and, and that sort of thing which makes shows perfect sense <laughs> yeah it shows through on the Muppets because I mean that's even even when you talk about I think that's what really connected to me as a kid is I, I I'm, I'm I don't think it's that much of a stretch to imagine that me as an adult now is very much the same way I was as a kid it was very similar you know very I was very quiet and and I kind of had my I was in my own world and, and that sort of thing and so when you think about stuff that sucks in life things that are bad you know death uh, being afraid, uh, not having confidence, not being sure of yourself like that fucking from the Muppet show, Bernadette Peters and Robin singing just one person. Like that's something that still to this day fucking hits me like a train. Like I will, as a grown man, tears, fucking I, tears. I, I, I saw them just for laughs that last year and the year before and they did Rainbow Connection live and in person. I was like, oh, oh my God, this is happening. This yeah. is happening. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's such a strange thing that he's like, this is all because of he, he basically he created these, obviously. And it's just like, when you're watching them on stage, you don't see the people underneath the Muppets. <laughs> like, you, you see them, like, they're on rollers and their hands are up and they're, like, moving their hands and moving their lips and stuff. But you see just the Muppets. And it all just disappears. <laughs> it's magic. Yeah, yeah. That Well, that's that, that's sort of... Uh, that's that's where I was that's where I was going, is that he, he was able to bring that optimism and all that, that pleasant Henson-ness to puppeteering and and it was able to show people hey uh you can talk about things that are sad you can talk about things that are that are that are hurtful and you can talk about it in a way that will make you feel like a million bucks it'll make you feel like you're able to go into this other world where you're capable of dealing with it and that's that's a great thing for, especially for kids you know when you're when you're growing up and you, someone dies or something bad happens you sometimes needs to abstract you it needs to be more abstract situation it needs to be uh, more of even like a fantasy of like oh this guy died but he he went to heaven and everything's going to be okay and, and yeah, like you know, I, I don't vividly remember when mr hooper died but i have sort of like a sense like a, i can sort of remember sort of how i felt it was so like that was so early 
that yeah. I was like, I know what happened while I, I'm pretty sure it happened while I was alive or it was a repeat or something, but like, I, I have a memory of the conversation that Big Bird had. I have a memory of that bit. Yeah, we but, all, we all, I, whether we are alive or not, I definitely am aware of going through that. Of, I knew that there was a Mr. Hooper and then there was no more Mr. Hooper. Yeah. So, aware of that. Yeah, uh, Henson was the kind of guy who absorbed all the atmosphere around him and somehow figured out the best way that everything would go, how everything would come together, how all of these crazy felt puppets would 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 make this magical world everything would come together and and form this other thing sesame street or or the muppet show or whatever it is it would bring you drag you really like there's no way you can fight that i mean like you said you're an adult and you're watching people that are clearly manipulating puppets like you're not stupid you're aware of what's yeah. going on but the thing is is that you 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 want them to be real. Like you kind of need them to be real. Like the like life sucks. Like that's like, if, if you gave me a choice between Sesame street and the street I live on now, I would take Sesame street <laughs> every fucking time. Uh, and that, and that never, that never really, um, that never, that it didn't become like one of those things where it was like years of practice turned into like all of a sudden oh my god jim is able to to do this to people like it was just always something that yeah. he he picked up from his parents he picked up from growing up and then he kind of just went at it and he was able to process all of the stuff that's going on around him and sort of funnel it back into what he was doing i mean it, I, I guess what surprised me most about the biography was that well two things surprised me most one about the infidelity with his wife which yeah, i had no awesome. idea about any of that yeah, I'll talk and about it, that. And it might have been well known, but I just like it never was something I learned. Yeah, yeah. No, I I probably had heard it before, and I was just like, no, it's not real. I don't know about <laughs> that. Fucking no, I don't want to hear about that. Oh no, it's absolutely so, real. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, and but the other the other part of it was that he he just uh read and and watched things and and consumed stuff he he was such he was so in love with tv yeah. and and the medium of tv and he was so in love with movies and and all of the stuff that he all the stuff that was going on in the 60s and 70s like he just fell in love with all of that stuff and was able to process it into the Muppets. It was able to process it into even Sesame Street. Like yep. there's like Sesame Street is insane when you watch it now. Like we, you would never again make something like Sesame. Well, I guess you can make Yo Gabba Gabba, but for the most part, like, but <laughs> if it's thing. geared towards adults that happens to appeal to children, then yes, it works. Well, but, but what I'm saying, it, it, even like even in the case of Yo Gabba Gabba, Yo Gabba Gabba is a show that's specifically made to be a show like a counterculture yeah. type show, like Sesame Street, because most stuff for kids sucks. Yeah. And and that was that was Henson. He he didn't want to bullshit people. He thought TV was supposed to be something better. He wanted to hold people to a higher standard, both in TV and the people who are watching. To the audience of people who are watching TV, you know, he thought that kids were smarter and tougher than anybody. Like fucking Mr. Hooper, you know, like any other TV show. Be like, yeah, fucking just recast him as some, you know, whatever. Who cares? But the Sesame Street and and all of the Henson projects were like, no, this is this is what happens. People die. People pass away. You have to watch Big Bird go through this. I, I love the, uh, there's an anecdote in the book about uh, they were doing Menomina on the Ed Sullivan show. And everyone was talking about, like, where did they get the song for that? And it was in a, like, 68 oh, yeah. Italian sexploitation film. Yes. <laughs> and it was just, like, something that was playing. Of course by, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was something that was, like, in the movie theater by the Henson offices. And, and they were just like, Jim went to go see this weird, like, it was called Sweden, Heaven, and Hell. 
And I guess Jim had went to go see it, just be like, hey, this is crazy. Let's go see this. And he heard the song. He's like, this. I'm going to put this shit in the Muppets. <laughs> like, that's insane. Like, uh, who the hell would go see a fucking Italian sexploitation movie and then turn it into something that is... Go find Extremely it. memorable. Yeah, go find anybody who's above the age of, I don't know, three, and they probably know that they could fucking sing that along with you. Yeah. But yeah, so he never really went from... Like, with Sam and Friends and all the stuff, all the puppeteering he was doing when he was young... It was more about, like, he was playing Stan Freeberg re- records, and he was playing, like, it wasn't his stuff. It was other people's yeah. stuff, and he was playing records, and the, they were, he was using the puppets to sing along to it and the thing. But, but people, people loved it, because immediately, uh, he wasn't really, he wasn't really focused on, it's weird, it's hard to say, he wasn't really focused on puppeteer. He was a great puppeteer, but he wasn't just focused on puppeteering. He was focused on building a world, yeah. building an experience for somebody. And he was able to think about that in a way that was able to raise the bar. Uh, the uh, The way that they talked about it in the book was that he was able to see television as a stage, mm-hmm. as, a, as a frame. And if you just simply had someone a little bit off frame, you could have them. You could, you could simply, like, in real life, you need to have a stage. You need to have the people duck down. You need to – puppeteering is – very physical and it's it's hard to do you know you have a tall guy and how the hell is he gonna do it well with tv you can just raise the camera up and you can just say oh like he holds his hand up in the air and he or he ducks down or whatever it is and you can start to do things with that and you can start to make a world you can make what you have in your imagination especially uh particularly in the imagination illustrated book it shows how often he'd sketch things in his journal or he'd come up with these small ideas for things and then was immediately able to turn them into something real and tangible was able to come up with an idea for a puppet and actually turn it into a real puppet by way of all these uh extremely talented uh, artists that he had working for him making puppets and things like that he was able to he had the imagination other people had the talent he was able to put it all together in such a way that he he fucking changed art and tv and advertising and all of these different things and 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 like you said there's no end of things in the book of where little anecdotes and and, and side notes and everything of where people adults kids whoever from uh, from sam and friends onward automatically just wanted to believe so bad that the Muppets were real. The secretary that knocks off uh, Rolf's ear or eye or whatever it was. It was his eye. It was his eye, yeah. Knocked off his eye and she just freaks out and ran out of the room. Yeah. Uh, Carol Spinney and himself. And pulled it out the three of them from the drawer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like he had no, it was, he knew it was a tool. He knew it was a tool that made this magic happen, but in his mind, it's like, oh, I'll just pull out another Ralph. It's fine. Yeah, there's lots of them. It's, it's, <laughs> just, it's just a puppet. It's, 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 I mean, even, even Kermit, which was made from his mom's coat, yeah. you'd think like, oh, it would be special. Like, no. It, there's it, been the, countless Kermits. Yeah, the I'm probably puppet, countable, but there's been lots yeah, of pu- the, yeah, exactly. Yeah, whether whether they could be millions, it wouldn't matter to him because yeah. there's only one Kermit in his head. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what mattered. That was that was the thing. Other other people, Carol Spinney in particular, the uh, Bert, when they were doing Bert and Ernie, and he just uh, Jim just throws Ernie like, off of his arm. Yeah. And was like, yeah. <laughs> Carol Spinney is so sensitive and wonderful that he, he picks up Ernie and like says like Ernie, you know, Jim didn't mean to do that, and 
apologizes to him and everything and it's just like that's every, probably how i'd react i'd be like oh my god already i know i know even 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 if you're burnt you still react as like that's fucking ernie like yep. that's who that is and it's that he was able to bring people into his into his world and then that's that's i think that's that's the one thing that people maybe when people talk about the Muppets, you know, you can you can say, oh, I have my favorite bit. Like, and that's what I kind of thought about when, when I was writing out the notes for this. I was thinking about, like, what to say on this episode. You could talk, we could, we'd spend easily half an hour talking about just our favorite Muppet show bits. Yeah. Not even not even the rest of the shows, not even Fraggle Rock or uh, Sesame Street or anything. We could just talk about just the Muppets yep. and just say, what are our favorite bits in that? And just act them out or whatever we're going to do. And that would be a half an hour. But the thing is, is that what made... Jim, the guy that he was, was that he was able to bring that optimism and and bring his spirit and 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 everything that he did to the people through TV. Even when he was doing advertising, even the stuff he was doing for IBM, like I I don't think if you talk to like any nerd about the history of being a nerd, if you like you talk about like the most humorless button down, like white shirt, black tie, you know, like like drone company, like you know, like, like boring ass. Well, company. Apple ad that is exemplifying that. Yeah, I mean, and then and then you talk about like, well, who did the advertising for, or who did like these internal spots for IBM? Fucking Jim Henson. Like that's where Cookie Monster came from. Like that's. <laughs> It's fucking insane. Like, it's, you know, this guy could do amazing things. He came into a room with a bunch of boring people and he was able to make Cookie Monster. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, so. Monster. He's, he's like Jack Kirby. Yeah. Jack Kirby, though, was uh, curmudgeon. Uh, curmudgeon. <laughs> he's definitely a bit of a curmudgeon, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. In terms of just the creative spirit he had. Uh, and, and, and Henson was kind of the same way. Yeah. Henson uh, was very into his work, uh, loved his kids. But was also very into his work. If anything, kind of integrated his kids into his work, yeah. which again then reinforced how great his work was because he immediately had that audience there of his kids, and he knew if his kids liked it, then fucking kids are kids, man. So everyone's gonna kind of like it. Yeah, he was he was able to do crazy stuff. He was able to he did the first guy he designed puppets specifically for TV, realizing the TV was its own medium. It was his own thing. It was totally different than other, any other kind of puppeteering. He was able to, like I said, see that TV monitor as a stage. He was able to put together all these tricks and illusions and, and uh, like um, perspective illusions and things like that. Like, like even just something as simple as like that near and far uh, in Sesame street of yep. like running back and forth. It's like, what fucking TV show does that? Like did, nobody, nobody does that. That's fucking Henson. That was his way of thinking like kids, kids don't see it as a TV. They see it as a portal to another world. Yep. And, and it doesn't take much for an adult to see that. I mean, that's what that's talk about fun. anything, any, any TV show that's on now, like breaking bad, breaking bad is a portal into another world, a horrifying world, <laughs> but a, another world nonetheless. And, and that's, that came from guys like not only just Jim, I mean, there's other people too, that, that kind of, of uh, came up with that idea, but Henson was easily the most, it's to me, the most memorable, the, the person I jumped to. I mean, especially animation, animatronics, mm -hmm. uh, even the idea of having entertaining advertising, uh, of having those, those coffee ads. Like, I still love those coffee ads that he, he did back when he was doing, like, Sam and Friends and yeah. all that stuff. He was doing the Wonkins and Wilkins, right. the coffee ad. Yeah, yeah. People didn't get his stuff in America. Fuck it. Fly over to England. Make your show there. <laughs> like, like, no matter what it was, he just figured, like, I want it. He had to get those worlds or yeah. that his imagination out on the paper and then have other people help him kind of build those worlds and create those things. Uh, I, I know. Then this is where I know that you're going to you're going to jump in and want to strangle me because uh, 
that idealist spirit, that idea of where he had to constantly be doing things for the common good and, and building these worlds, these wonderful worlds for people and kids to kind of venture into, it made him create a lot of stuff that was more experimental as well. And stuff that was definitely, I would say maybe today you might say like game changer or cutting edge. I don't know what how you describe it, but I, I guess those two cutting edge game he changes the game. <laughs> I don't know. Because uh, he made stuff like Timepiece, Tale of Sand. I, st- I still haven't seen Timepiece. It's exactly... If you've read... You've read Tale of Sand. Of so you basically you basically understand the concept of Timepiece. Yeah. That's what it is. It's, it's, a, it's a theme. It's a concept stretched out into a longer experimental piece, I sure. guess you could say. And, and then later it was the Dark Crystal Labyrinth and then all the different, uh, he, the Disney ride that he had made and all the different stuff that he started doing in the 80s was sort of uh, that CGI Muppets thing, the Muppets on TV, the, the, what was that, like Muppets in TV or something? Right. Uh, yeah, he was able to visualize this stuff so clearly in his head that it meant the world to him to be able to bring people into that world uh, on screen or or even in when he did the ride for Disney like in in reality like he wanted to he wanted people to be in what he saw in his head and that meant for he went from basically acting out Stan Freeberg records on Salmon Friends to doing his own stuff with the help of writers on the Muppet show and and Sesame Street and so on and so forth and then eventually he sort of ventured down to his own where it was more of just less adapting other people's stuff and more creating a world or uh, a, a piece of art around a moment or uh, a feeling or, or this idea of trying to show people a good time and didn't really do much with plot or development. No. Yeah, like he was the guy who could say, here are the Fraggles. But if you said, you know, Jim, what are the Fraggles going to do? That was Jerry Jewell's job or that was some that was somebody else's job yeah. to, to worry about. Um, it wasn't really his his thing. He was definitely the big idea guy. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, and that's not something that people like anymore. No, no. I mean, we're we're really in the age of the obsessive showrunner, like the the um, who's the guy who does uh, Mad Men? Anthony uh, Weiner. Yeah, no, I don't think it's Anthony Weiner. Um, yeah, no, it's not Anthony Weiner. But not? yeah, we, Matt Weiner, I think. Matt Weiner, yeah, yeah no, it's definitely not Anthony Weiner. No, no. <laughs> yeah. <it's... sighs> Yeah, but there's apparently what's his face, um, whose name suddenly escapes me, from Breaking Bad. Vince Gilligan. Vince Gilligan is like that, and Alan Ball was like that. It's but yeah, the Matt the Matt Weiners of the world or Weiners of the world are are, are not like that <laughs> at all. Yeah, no, no, it, it has to. Everything has to be. It, it's not. It's not just enough to make a certain world, or it's not enough to to make the the stage yep. you know it, it has to you have to have the character development you have to have the story you have to have the character you have to have the characters uh always acting in such a, a certain way and, and doing stuff in a certain way usually the idea with the muppets was if you wanted a character to act in a certain way you'd make a new muppet yeah exactly every muppet has its own personality but it's a very specific personality yeah. that's why there's hundreds of fucking muppets and and that's that's not a bad thing i no, mean it's not it's not yeah, it's not a, it's not the end of the world, but then you have people like me that are obsessed with Jim Henson that don't really like the Dark Crystal. So, well, it's not, it is a flawed movie <laughs> as a movie. There's lots of great, amazing muppeteering in it, but there's this flaws as a movie. There's no question. What What surprised me about it was the idea that he was going to present it as like an opera. 
and you wouldn't be able to understand the 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 what were the, the, the skexies skexies yeah you wouldn't be able to understand the skexies and in their dialogue it was a foreign language uh and they they showed it to a bunch of people at a screening uh and everyone just kind of walked out like what the fuck was that yeah, yeah. Because uh, usually you don't go to see a movie, uh, and then no one tells you what happened in that movie. That you have to kind of piece it together with the visual language. I mean, because in theory, that's I kind of want to see that movie though. Yeah, I know. I want to. I that totally movie. think they made the right decision by not releasing that movie, but I kind of want to see a version that version of the movie somehow. Yeah, that that uh, that was something that kind of uh, when I was reading this, I had just kind of I right before reading this, I guess I had seen Gravity. And that kind of put me to, like I put the, like obviously Gravity they speak English you know whatever or at least uh, Sandra Bullock's character and, and George Clooney speak English. Uh, it's clear that the characters are talking and communicating with one another and what they're saying is clear. Yeah. But there's a visual language. There's there's you if you can't if you're blind you're gonna hate Gravity. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing there's nothing there. Yeah, exactly. And that's the kind of movie he wanted to make with Dark Crystal. And I. I think that's fucking cool, but at the same time, I kind of realize that's also an experiment as well. Yes. I can totally understand why someone doesn't want to fucking put up millions of dollars exactly. to make a movie like you know make a movie like Zara Crystal anymore. I can even understand why a movie like Gravity is hard to make because it, it's like okay, what is what's happening? Well, in you know two hours of movie, you know it's only like about two hours or so in real life, and this is what happens, and then this happens, and then this other thing happens. Like yeah, no, like was there you know, like character development, like what's going on, like, like give us, give us a story, you know, especially considering that Hollywood's so obsessed with the three act structure of where it's, it's gotta have these action beats. It's gotta have this sort of thing. Henson didn't really do any of that. That was not his thing. Uh, everything had to be crazy. Everything had to be fun and upbeat and, and had to move in a certain way that, uh, he like, it had like a, it, it, it like, it just like everything he made sort of like vibrated with energy you you felt that when you watched his stuff, and not a lot of people make movies anymore to make you feel anything. It's mostly just like here's fucking this because we have to sell the Sony yeah, exactly. bio, <laughs> you know? and that's that's not really his thing. But at the same time, God bless the Coen brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That fucking yeah, exactly. They make a movie about a feeling, or they make yeah. a movie about about an experience. They make a movie about something very specific like that. And if you don't like it, just wait a year. They'll come out with another one that you'll like. Yeah, <laughs> that's, or one that's how... more plot driven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's it. go watch Fargo again. You know, like whatever. That's it's it's fine. I have I have I know you looked at the notes, so I know that I can't really shock you with this, but I do have a controversial idea or, or thought to put in there which Shoot. is that uh if jim was still alive today he'd be george lucas People i don't i don't know him. i don't know if that would have happened i don't think he's as uh i don't think he would have uh, i don't know in the 80s he, he was, was going obsessed. that way he, he was, was going that way but technology but i'd because... hope like George Lewis never had much touch in the heart and like emotion side of things. It was all about technology. Jim Henson at least had that side to him. Yes. A and I'd hope that would come through, but it's definitely a plausible scenario, I think. Well, the reason I thought it, or the reason why it kind of came up as I was looking over all this stuff was the idea that Jim just wanted to show people or give people 
Like if you if you think of like his imagination as like this like raw like ball of plasma. Like he wanted to be able to just hand you that ball of plasma. Like it, like he didn't want to shape it in a certain way. He didn't want to put safety packaging on it or whatever. No, he wanted to just give. He wanted to give you exactly what was in his head. He wanted you to feel the way he felt. He wanted you to see the world through his eyes. He he was an amazing guy, and he wanted you to be amazing too. And I think that that would have turned into he would have he, he clearly was into green screen. He was into oh, yeah. all these things, and 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 that's a lot of people. A lot of people are like, oh well, you know, George Lucas is a shitty director. Like, no, he's really not. Like, go watch some of his stuff. He's not a shitty director. And if anything, he came out of the same kind of school. Well, not literally the same kind of school, but the same kind of film background as Henson. Of was all that stuff in the sixties. Crazy, you know, like 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 you know, experimental stuff. Like they both loved that shit. They loved it, and and that really informed a lot of what they did later on. But Henson was still kind of pegged as the entertainer for kids, and hence, or and Lucas was, you know, obviously for adults, and then eventually, by way of selling toys, became an entertainer for kids. And and that's but the, my my real problem with with uh, the original trilogy, or not the original, sorry, the, the new trilogy, not the original trilogy. New trilogy sucks, and the reason why I think can simply be put to the point of where, hey, if you take away all of the technology that they used to make the the prequels, and you made them make a movie, you made them make those movies back in 1982, someone along the line would have said, "Fucking no, we can't fucking do this. This is insane. This is retarded. You can't do this. You can't hang an entire movie on these shitty effects because it's just not going to fucking work." And we have to do something. We have to have some sort of story here. Because I, I feel like, I, you know, oh, it's about a trade federation. Well, fucking no. <laughs> because it's got to be, you can't do that. You can't do that when you don't have green screen. If you have green screen, you can make, like, look at some of the background stuff. Like, look at some of the behind the scenes stuff. It's all fucking green screen. It's all walk and talks. Because that's the easiest way to fucking do green screen because yeah. otherwise you have to fucking like look at what it take look at nowadays like look at what peter jackson's doing with green screen it is a fuck it's a motherfucker it costs lots and lots of money to do that he was basically saying hey how can we do this for our budget and that's what they did especially considering those movies what was 98 right it was 1998 they started working on those right or 97 filming that. that yeah that fucking technology you're talking about technology that made fucking Jurassic Park and then, you know, a couple of years later now has to fucking make, like, fucking uh, episode one. Which I, I think the fucking special effects in episode one still hold up pretty fucking well. I, I haven't seen it in a very long time. Don't. I'm not going to. <laughs> Why would I? It's terrible. I don't know. But but it, I, I still kind of had that itch in the back of my head that I think that he... Jim Henson and George Lucas both put technology before story and they wanted, they, they got more into trying to show you what was going on in their head that when they finally had the ability to do it, that could kind of be. Yeah. But Jim Henson always had at least interesting things going on in his head that he wanted to show with technology and a trade federation and a whiny brat and a speeder race is not terribly interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's... I mean, I'm not saying he would be like. He definitely has that possibility, but I think depending on who he surrounded himself with, and like, he might have gone total art house and just said fuck everything because he has, doesn't have to work again because he made Sesame Street. Like, yeah. like fuck yeah. it, I can just do whatever the hell I want now. 
Well, and if he was alive, then uh, well, if he was alive, very little, little would have changed. Because fuck it, I was gonna say, I was like, if he was alive, fucking Disney would own the Muppets. Yeah. Like, oh, Disney does Muppets. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, no, it's 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 possible. I mean, look at um uh Francis Ford Coppola, fucking doing whatever the hell he wants to do. Basically, I, have, I honestly have no idea what he's doing these days. He made Jack. <laughs> That's is that the last thing he did? No, no, no. Yeah, uh, he's doing he's doing um experiment. He's, he's, he's doing he's doing thing. The fuck he's he experimental. Wants. Yeah, doing whatever he wants. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, exactly. Doing whatever the fuck he wants. It's possible that Jim Henson also would have been doing whatever the fuck he wants. It's possible. Very. Hopefully that would have been the case, but I don't know. I kind of feel like he would have gone back and been like, I want to remaster some shit. I want to do some C. I want to put some CGI up in that bitch because. Now that you can do it, why wouldn't you? Especially because you can you can clean it up for the kids nowadays, and that way you. Because I mean, I don't know I don't know how many kids out there are are watching the Muppet Show. I'm sure lots of them are watching Sesame Street, but I don't know how many kids are being exposed to stuff that's especially the original Muppet movies, like stuff that was amazing to us, like watching fucking Kermit the Frog on a bicycle. Like that shit's insane. Yeah, but it still holds up as a good story. Like it's. The kids don't be like, oh, they'll still follow the story and enjoy it, I think. Yeah, it I might not blow so. their minds, the technology of it, but like... I, w- I would hope so. I would hope so, if only because if a kid doesn't want to see a giant, like, 50-foot-tall animal at the end of the movie, <laughs> like, I don't know, I don't know what, just fucking fire that kid into an incinerator. I don't know what to say. Like, I don't know, that's... The kid awful. is defective and needs to be replaced. He's obviously the next Hitler, you know, they don't let that kid have any sort of power over Germany, so, I mean, it's <laughs> ridiculous, yeah. I don't know anything else you want to say? Not really. We touched yeah. upon his infidelity. It just didn't, doesn't really taint my view of the man at all. Yeah, I don't... It's even just, I guess, for me, it's kind of just weird to even think of him as, like, a sexual being. That, that was, that's the weirdest part of it. It's not that he should his wife, it's that he has sex at all. Yeah, yeah. Which is not fair to him or anyone. But, like, in my mind, it's like, nope, he just doesn't do it. He's not interested in that. He has higher higher ideals. Yeah, yeah. I, and I guess the other thing, too, is I, I, I can't really put myself in the mind of where... Like I, I think I think of directors or I think of like handsome, like hot guy hunks, and I'm like, oh, like I would totally, I would totally cuddle up to that dude. Like I would, I would totally fucking jump in the sack with that guy. But you think like Jim Henson? It's not that he's a bad looking guy. It's just like I don't really, I don't know. Like he's he does not lose that at all. Look, but yeah, I don't really think about like I want to like hob his knob or anything. Like, I don't know. I, I just I. Oh, like I don't, it's just fucking weird. Like I don't. Uh, weird, uh, uh. You don't have to convince me. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jim Henson's ghost. Like, I know you probably liked hand jobs as much as the next guy, but I would not give you a hand job. That would freak me out. Especially also too, because I think just like my hand, my hand work would not be. He's 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 good <laughs> with hands. I don't. I don't no, know. That's an interesting reason why not to. You you'd have yeah. performance anxiety because you'd be so used to like people. With good use of their hands. So self-conscious. So I'm not coordinated. I just can't can't do it out. Pull it out. But um. So, so uh, yeah. He cheated on his wife, and uh, uh, um, I don't. Yeah, he loved cars. That was the thing. It was the only thing he loved cars. Yeah. That I can imagine. I could totally imagine him. Yes, loving absolutely. Cars, but like Jim Henson going down on somebody, I just can't. No, no, I don't know. no. So, anything else? No. <laughs> 
I don't want to talk about him anymore now. No, I, I okay. Well, then I will bring. I'm going to bring it back because I, I had that. I there's a note uh, that he. I, I I don't remember the context of this because it has been well, way too long ago that I read the book. But he wrote a note. It was his final note. That I guess he had written to his children. Oh uh, yeah. And um, I just fucking got choked up. Like that was finishing the book. Like I was sitting here alone reading the book, and I'm just like just sobbing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, even on the beach in Mexico, I was like, oh, oh god, this is happening. Yeah. I, that and the um, even though I heard the story of how the funeral happened, like the, all the the stuff that happened at the funeral, just reading about it again, I was like, oh god. You've never have you ever seen the video of it? I I don't know. Oh, don't don't don't. Oh god. I don't mind a good cry. If it's a good cry, it's a good cry. Then do then do. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking heartbreaking. It is really heartbreaking. I I guess I had a cassette tape of the of the they recorded them singing. Oh Jesus. Yeah. Oh God, it's fucking heartbreaking. That shit will mess you up. Like that's that'll. Oh, yeah. It's. Anyways, he wrote a note, and I had copied a piece of it, and I wanted to read it because I I like challenging myself, and I know I'm reading things I'm terrible at, but uh, from Jim Henson, life is meant to be fun and joyous and fulfilling. May each of yours be that. Having each of you as a child of mine has certainly been one of the. Jesus, fuck it. I'm already fucking messing this up. Know that I loved each of you with an eternal bottomless love, a love that has nothing to do with each other, for I feel my love for each of you is total and all-encompassing. That may sound silly and over-the-top to you guys, but what the hell, I'm gone, and who can argue with me? (laughs) To each of you, I send my love. If on this side of life I'm able to watch over you and help you out, I know that I will. Or know that I will. If I can't, I'm sure at least I can be waiting for you when you come over. Please watch out for each other and love and forgive everybody. It's a good life. Enjoy it. And that's pretty much all I'd ever want to say about Jim Henson. That's a good life philosophy. Yeah. His letter to his kids, yeah. So. Yeah. <sighs> Jim Henson. We love you, buddy, wherever you are. Or were. Were, yeah. Well, yeah. it is kind of a down note. I, I normally don't <laughs> like leaving episodes on a down That's note. okay. Uh, but it, but if you if you are crying right now because my rendition of that letter was so terrible, uh, <laughs> I need to work on reading if I'm going to do a podcast. Jesus, uh, yeah, especially next episode is going to be rough. But uh, but yeah, so we will we will have a next episode, and we will we you will talk hear it at some point. What's that? We'll record yeah, it. You yeah. may even hear it at some point. You may even hear it once I've edited it at some point. Yeah. So uh, until then, we are in our boyfriends. I am Joey. You can find me on Twitter at Joey Hefflick. And I'm Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at Gobo. And until next time, we love you all. Bye-bye.